Welcome to another episode of Blokes Watch Movies. Thank you for joining us once again. I will not be hosting today's show. Today's host is David. But before we go forward, I just have some legal remits that I need to get past. So last week we were joined by Judge Ralph as he, as, as he was adjudicating our discussion. I just needed to let the listener know that Judge Ralph actually wasn't part of the show. And that was me in case you got confused. So I just wanted to make sure everyone was aware of that. So moving forward, let's get into this episode. Thank you. Uh Thank you, Mark. Um, as always, I'm joined by Mark, who you've just heard from, and Jimmy. Hello, Jim. Hi, uh, Dave. Last week got a little bit heated as we debated Stallone movies, so we decided to tone it down a little this week. We actually haven't spoken since, well, that frosty hour, but I'm glad that we've all moved on now. Do you agree? I'm getting there. Uh, no, getting there. no, I haven't moved on. <laughs> I, I'm going to tell you why I haven't moved on. Because I, I reflected, I re-watched Over the Top, and was filled with disappointment. <laughs> but but let's, let's let it go and move on to another episode. That wasn't what I was expecting. I really thought you were going to apologise. But, you know, let's move, move onwards and upwards. You may remember me discussing Scarface quotes earlier on in the series. So you should know I, I love a quote. I love sort of mentioning scenarios where I can use my favourite quote. But I'll start off with a line used in one of my favourite films of all time. I don't want to go into too much detail on the film as I'm hoping it's something that I can focus on in a future episode. But the film is House Party and the line is I smell pussy. Anyone who's seen the film, I think will remember this. It, it, it actually comes up more than once in the film, but I'm going to focus on the first delivery because it's the one that stays in my head. I, You've got a picture the scene. You've got a, a, a young uh, a young man of late teens. He's in he's in the high school. He's in the canteen. He's having an issue with a group of guys. He throws jelly at them and it misses. And they're going to kick his ass. And then one of them says, "Do you smell something?" Which is something that we I, I grow. This is nineteen ninety, maybe ninety one. I definitely was watching it in ninety one and. I, it starts off with, I, do you smell something? And I, I definitely smell something, man. I smell, I smell pussy. Pussy, man. Let's kick his ass. And then they beat him up. But it was at, at, at school, at primary school, there was like six months where it just seemed we were just always focusing. So like, oh, why don't you ask out Gemma? Uh, nah, nah. Do I smell something, man? You know, it was just sort of something that was associated if someone didn't do what you wanted them to do. Whenever I watched a film, when that line just puts a massive smile on my face, and it was the first line I thought of when I knew we were going to do this episode, and I just absolutely love it. And I really recommend anyone just type into YouTube "house party, I smell something," and you'll you'll see exactly what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> I think what you know, um, I remember, you know, hearing that line and the film come out, like you say, like nineteen ninety one or something like that. And I remember people quoting that line. And now I think back on it, and like none of us, none of us actually knew what we were saying. Like you know, like literally what we were saying. <laughs> but true. We, we we still understood it somehow. And that's how you know it's a a good line, well delivered. The guys that are the bullies, that's full force, isn't it? That's right. Yeah. Full and, it, force and I just remember right. that the guy had a really high pitched voice. It's the way he I says, hey. 
yeah. like it's right up there. I'm gonna <laughs> kick your ass. That's, that's the guy that said, "Let's kick his ass." But <laughs> the one of the bits that corrects me, I actually tried to Google to find out exactly what he's saying because when they say, "Oh, do you smell sank, man?" He says, "I definitely smell sank up in my hair." <laughs> it's up in here, in my hair. And I don't know what he's saying, but he's just absolutely brilliant. <laughs> but when I, look, when I Google to see like, the, the, the script for it, it actually doesn't even mention that little bit. So I get the feeling that no one actually knows what he's saying, but sometimes a bit of bad lip is the best. It just adds to it. It makes it better that no one actually knows what he's saying, because I can imagine them laughing about it as soon as they said cut. <laughs> yeah, but that, that was the first one. I knew I had to get that in. I had I think I mentioned it in one of the earlier episodes because I just love that film so much and I'm just going to, we're going to have to find a way to get that film in. Is it true that film was written for Jazzy Jeff from Fresh Prince? Yes. Yes. It, it, yeah. Yes. From what I'm hearing, it yeah. is. I mean, it's... Can you it's imagine made... <laughs> I can't. I think... Well, I mean, I don't think Kid and Play were even famous. It was written for Jazzy Jeff and Fresh Prince before the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. So you have to right. remember that they wouldn't have had the same image because our image of them now is that where hmm. they were just a hip-hop act that was kind of failing before the film because the film came out in 1990 so it must have been written in about 88 88, 89 I do know that Kid and Play who I believe were just sort of backing dancers for Salt and Pepper uh, a bit of trivia Kid, Play and two of the three of Salt and Pepper along with Martin Lawrence pretty much all coincidentally worked in like a call centre. So they must all come from the same sort of town, a, a city, and they all coincidentally worked together before they were famous. So I may be exaggerating. It might be one of Kid and Play that didn't and one of Salt and Pepper that didn't, but they all sort of knew each other through the others, if you know what I mean. But I don't want to, like I said, I don't want to focus too much on Housebody, but I do know that Kid and Play were allowed in effect to sort of make the characters their own. So I do think if it was Jazzy Jeff and Will, it would have gone down a different road because they're not kid or play. Kid actually apparently was quite, you know, intelligent and play was a, a little bit older than him and leading him, leading him astray in real life. So that was sort of a natural dynamic sort of put into the film. Yeah. yeah. So I think it, it would have been a, a, not a completely different movie. There still would have been a party. It would the, the, the you know the the story would have been, in effect, the same, but I think the characters would have been completely different. What's your um, first quote, Jim? Uh, okay, so I'm going to try and do an impression of, of this actor, and I think David might know this film well enough to get it. Mark, you might as well. So this is a film that came out ten years after House Party, and the quote is, When I get to Paul Allen's place, I use the keys I took from his pocket before disposing of the body. There is a moment of sheer panic when I realise that Paul's apartment overlooks the park. And is obviously more expensive than mine. Yeah. Can anyone American get Psycho. <laughs> I love that bit. Yeah. Yeah, I love it. I mean, how can you? Yeah, look, there's so many. There's so many from that film, but that one is absolutely sublime. I would have gone yeah. with the business card. It was an ivory. That was my first choice. Embossed. I love that one. The business card one cracks me up. Yeah. That, that was my first choice. I think one of the reasons why I sort of decided to change it was that so much of the humour from that scene comes from actually seeing the business yeah, cards yeah you got to see like, the, so difference, yeah, that, the subtle differences um, yeah yeah um, but his no, expression I, as well 
Yeah, but I mean, I yeah, there's like like you say, there are so many quotes you could use from this particular film. But I just I just love how it commits to the darkness. Like it it, it plays everything so straight, and it just trusts that you're going to understand that it's funny and and not get offended, and it, it trusts that you're going to be on its wavelength. And if you are on its wavelength, you know, it is absolutely like the most riotous film. I haven't what I I don't think I've watched it in about you know five or six years. But when I was just going on YouTube looking for quotes, I was just cracking up, just remembering just yeah how witty that script is it's yeah absolutely phenomenal no that's a, that's a great pick fantastic film in fact it's one of those films that could make another show in the sense that you don't get many films where they're adapted from a book and you feel so uh, grateful that they did it because obviously a book gives you the ability to make the film up in your head you're it, 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 driven by your own imagination but that in terms of the the novel to the film i still prefer the novel but it's a great adaptation a great adaptation yeah, I love it. So I don't know if you guys think back this um, this far, but like how obsessed we were with it as a group, like in the early two thousands. I mean, David, I don't know if you remember this. You probably do, but do you remember singing karaoke in the Cranbrook, selecting Susudio, and dedicating it to Patrick Bateman? Dedicating it to Patrick Bateman, rest in peace, with such a straight face that the guy running the karaoke thought you were doing it in honor of yes. a dead friend. Yes. Well, the thing is, is I, I do remember, I was very drunk, obviously, but I did go through a phase of dedicating the songs to the the character in the film that it's associated with. I remember dedicating a song to um, was it Erica Kurt Sloan, who, who had an accident and ended up in a wheelchair. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I just, so I do remember that phase. But yeah, that the studios now will always be on my playlist due to. Um, due to American Psycho, but it, the thing I remember is, I remember the first time of watching it, I loved it, but didn't really fully understand what I was watching. You, you, and it's, But you still love it, but then the second time, you love it even more. It's not one of those films you have to watch twice, because you still enjoy it so much the first time, but I do feel the more you watch it, the more you love it, and um, it's sort of layered, I think, that you know that way, but it's absolutely superb. Oh, and yeah, I'm going to watch it again this weekend. It's actually one of those films that is more relevant now than it was, say, since it's been made, because it's all about that excessive consumerism and and monopoly of things in, in the eighties, where everybody was so concerned with themselves, and it, ev- that the fact that he was doing all these things just gets lost. And actually, society is not that far away from being very similar to that now. So I think there's a lot of things now that make it more relatable now than it would do if you watched it maybe 10 years ago. Yeah, there's a new strain of selfishness to the culture um, yeah. now that, you know, it's not exactly the same, but you, know, you can relate it to like that depiction of the 80s. Because um, obviously none of us were you know, um, all that old in the 80s. We were all kids, but you know, I hear from people who were you know, teenagers and grown-ups that the 80s was a particularly cynical time. Anyway, let's keep it to the quotes. Yeah, it's your turn, yeah. My quote comes from 2007. And oh, I picked it because it's a quote that I think all young men can relate to. It's a quote that comes from the, well, should have been Oscar-nominated Superbad. And it relates to him making a confession about something he did when he was young. And he says, it's not that, <laughs> his actual quote is, it's not actually that weird. It's something that like 8% of our kids do. It ain't a big deal. I just used to go around drawing pictures of big dicks. (laughs) (laughs) 
and it just cracked me up when I watched it. But also, it reminded me of all the random pictures that people used to do and repetitively do on their school books. Now, we used to go to school, again, we don't mention surnames, but we used to go to a school, and in my class was a guy called Lee, and he'd regularly draw a woman on his book, and the woman would always be wearing fishnet tights, and he would just do it as crisscross. You know what I'm trying to say? And I think every kid or every person had a doodle or a scribble that was maybe inappropriate, but they would just always do it. And it was such a great quote and obviously the story escalates from there but it just sticks with me and I love it and I just every time I do something that's not normal I'll always use it as a it's not a big deal 8% of people do it like wherever it may be anytime you feel a bit embarrassed about something it's not a big deal 8% of people do it I piss in the bath it's fine (laughs) can you imagine how much fun it was for whoever like they tasked with drawing those those dicks on the, on the exercise books because they oh, had to spend brilliant. time literally doing it. They're probably passing it around the whole crew. Like, yeah, it's brilliant. Like the dick in the tank and then there's, there's, there's the dick riding the ball on the rodeo. It's just so good. I mean, it's, I, I absolutely adored this film. I don't think there's a bad minute in the whole movie. And I actually had a list of quotes that I could pick. But that was my favourite one because it was relatable. I love Superbad, but it's one of those films that I've only watched once. And I really loved it and I want to watch it again. Yeah, but it's just, I'm not going to say get in the time, but it's just that, you know, like I've noticed as the older I get, I don't really watch good films again. Mm. You know, like Mm. that's what I'm, I'm noticing. But I do actually want to go back and rewatch Super Bad. Oh, it's brilliant for quotes. I'm absolutely loving it. Actually, that's how you know um, that that is the mark of a good comedy script. Like you don't have to watch it twice to remember you know, the great lines. Like you know, a, a great script like Super Bad, the jokes stay with you for years, even though you, it's not a film that you go back and watch over and over again. So. Totally. So we've gone in full circle. Move on to the next quote. I mean, just so the, the listener knows, we didn't set any parameters around these quotes. These were just quotes that we just enjoyed, right, lads? That's right. But I suppose we can revisit this revisit this going forward in the sense that we could make it a little bit more tailored to specific quotes. So I expect this is a feature that we'll probably revisit. Yeah, we'll anchor it with themes. Yeah. And... I hope so. Yeah. Like... All right, Dave. All right, what you got for us it's next, then? quite concerning, though, that I've actually both... My next film is Casino. Okay. Uh, a little bit concerning that so far my quotes have sort of been well linked to violence. Um, I'm hoping that the rest moving forward are not are not like that. But um, yeah, it's casino. It's actually quite a a long uh, phrase said by Nicky Santoro, which is uh, Joe Pesky's character. I actually have chosen two, so I'm going to have the main one, and there's one that will always remind me of you. Because you were the one who sort of brought it to my attention. So now whenever I watch the film, I will always remind me of you. But I'll stick with the, the main quote um, from Casino. I say, Nicky Santoro, Joe Pesky. And it says, starts with, uh, tomorrow morning, I'll get up nice and early, take a walk over to the bank, walk in and see ya. And if you don't have my money for me, I'll crack your fucking head right open in front of everyone. Just about the time I get out of jail... Hopefully, you'll be coming out of your coma. And guess what? I will spit your fucking head open again. Because <laughs> I'm stupid like that. that is the first one, there was the veal. There was that one. 
the thing that makes that line so superb, and and honestly, go back and watch it because not only I make your brain go to sleep. You, you make my money go to sleep, you Irish fuck. <laughs> <laughs> but it's the acting. Nicky Sandu, Joe Pesky pulls it off brilliantly. But the the Irish banker, like, he's breathing. Like, he genuinely comes across like he's petrified. They just listen to his breathing. And... It's the way he looks at De Niro's in to say, intervene, do something. <laughs> well, De Niro makes it as well as of his expressions. Like, for God's sake, Nicky, you're going too far. <laughs> but it's just a great, like, 30 Quotes seconds. are generally violent in that film, though. Charlie M? You made me put your head in a vice to protect that piece of shit, Charlie M? <laughs> There's just so many of them. The uh, what do you think this? What do you think the second quote from the film that reminds me of you is? Because it's a line that the first, the first or second time I watched it, I didn't even really take it in. I know it's too many. And then you you mentioned it once when we were talking about it. You made me laugh, and now every time I see it, I laugh when I see it. And I don't really think it's even really meant to be that funny. It's just a standard line. But it's uh, I'll say it because. And I say this now whenever someone possibly hints that I'm lying. Whenever someone hints or, make, or doesn't believe me, yeah. I will always say, thanks for not calling me a liar. Oh, yeah. Do you remember, do you remember that line in the When court? he's in court, yeah. Yeah, when he's in court. <laughs> Can you please say we had dinner? Can you give me that? We had dinner. <laughs> thanks for not calling me a liar. Bitch. Son of a bitch. Son of a bitch. I've got a past. You've got a past. Oh, what makes you think that your past is any worse than my past? I've I've never seen it. I've never seen this film. The way he says son of a bitch twice. The hero is honestly, I've talked about it so many times throughout. Just the way he delivers the line son of a bitch back to back. With so much passion, he's just honestly a joy. A great cameo by James Wood as the golf-hustling boyfriend. He comes in, he's only in it a little bit, but he's brilliant when he's in it. He's so odious. Character. I wish I could remember his name. Yeah, he is. He plays it so well. James Wood is an odd, he's an odd one because he's, he's sort of been around years and he puts in some little great performances and then you sort of see him again for oh, no. yeah, it's weird, isn't a day, it? it seems. But, you know... Yeah, he is he is amazing in that uh, in that film. It's it's one of my it's just a long film, but I just kind of watch it every time it's on. What have you got for me now, Jim? Coming in. Uh, so yeah, so we can uh, somewhat related. I'm going to see if you can uh, guess it again, either from the quote or my terrible impression. Connie, if you don't listen to me and marry this man, you'll disappoint me. So you got that one. Yeah, I think it's Rocky One. Uh, no, that's <laughs> <laughs> no, the Godfather, obviously. <laughs> yeah, the Godfather. But it is being directed at Talia Shire, so yeah, you're not. Yeah, you wouldn't have been uh, all the way wrong there. But no, I, I think like this was a line, and this is going to make me sound quite pathetic now. But this was a line that I always kind of imagined. If I ever have kids of my own one day, this would be something I say to them, like you know, like I say to my son, hypothetical son, like if you don't listen to me. Pick up those toys. You'll disappoint me. Like yeah, you know, just like, yeah, just kind of imagine that yeah, that was how I would how I would deliver it. But what I love um, just about this particular line is that there's a, such a simplicity to how Pacino's delivery does it because he's making the character like 
just totally non-charismatic. Like he, he absolutely doesn't have the authority and the presence of Don Vito from from the first movie. Like you know, he doesn't. Yeah, mm. that that's completely missing, and he is not as captivating a figure, which I I just thought was very very bold for like you know, a massive Hollywood movie um, that's gonna you know have you sit um, and watch it for you know nearly three three and a half hours, and. Um, yeah, and this is the moment where, like, you just intuitively understand that Godfather Two is working on an emotional level, totally different to Godfather One. And uh, like you say, that like, there is so many lines that you could quote from all three of the Godfathers, or all four of the Godfathers. You want to count this new version of Three as a separate movie, but this is the one that always sticks in my head. It's the one that I always find myself aping. He's so cold and calculated in that moment, and she's so wild and dramatic as well. It's just it just works really, really, really well. I mean, it is a brilliant, brilliant, brilliant film. A good quote and not only that the godfather films are the films that get quoted by other films or other tv shows as we know so i've gone with on my next quote again another comedy movie now i had lots of options from this film again it's a cameo of will ferrell in the wedding crashes now he comes into the film as kind of at the end as like an icon a guy that taught them how to be wedding crashes and the the line i chose was grief is nature's most powerful aphrodisiac <laughs> and only because in the film he's gone from being a wedding crasher to crashing funerals to meet women <laughs> and i'm just it's so dark but it makes me laugh and then like near the end of the film it's like near the end of the film you see him at a funeral why george why and he's kind of dry humping the wife from behind and he just does he wink doesn't he? he winks at him yeah and it just cracks me up ma meatloaf and just little lines it goes god you don't know how lucky you are you nearly got nunchucked like it's just it's just yeah i can relate to it because i feel like that's where my life could have gone if i made some different decisions <laughs> The sad thing is, you would have been better off if you would have gone down that path. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, I've still got the silk kimono, so that's what matters. Yeah. <laughs> With the I'm dragon on the that, back. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that is a, I actually had the feeling you were going to choose that line because you love Will Ferrell's, uh, Will Ferrell's cameo in it, so. In my head, I was thinking I'd be very surprised if he doesn't go with that because you do it so well as well. But that is um, it's a great cameo, and he has got. I don't know how. I'd love to know how long the the duration is that he's actually in the film, but yet he's got so many memorable lines and little bits in it. Yeah, it really is amazing. Yeah, the memorable lines to screen time ratio for him in that film must be just phenomenal. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. it steals the film really. I mean, it's a good film anyway. It is a good film. Yeah, I'm gonna. Um, Read it to you. I think one of you, at least both of you, will guess it. But it, 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 I remember looking it up because I wanted to use it today. It's a poem you, um, from a film. It's actually a comedy, so I'm glad it wasn't all violence and, and gore. My Mother by Jack Burns. You gave me life. You gave me milk. You gave me courage. Your name was Angela, the angel from heaven. But you were also an angel of God. And he needed you, too. Selfishly, I tried to keep you here while the cancer ate away your organs like an unstoppable rebel force. But I couldn't save you, and I shall see your face never more, never more. 
nevermore until we meet in heaven. Ring any bells to any figures? No. Should Are it? you serious? Jimmy? No. Uh, no, I'm drawing a blank. <laughs> you meet the meet the parents, please. When oh. Robert De Niro over, over the dinner table reads a poem to yes. his mother's ashes. Yes. yes. <laughs> Out of all the quotes you could have done, though, that isn't the strongest one, surely. You now, uh, this is this is a, this is the whole point of this episode, Mark, because we just have a little friendly debate. Don't I mean, make it personal, please. I, some of the most watched films in, in 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 movie history, you get wrong, and I just let it go. And we don't know the most random <laughs> oh, line from God. Meet the Fockers. And you say, oh my God, you don't know it. Fuck me. <laughs> so it's all, right. it's all right, David. I've got, I've got a quote from the Cantonese version of Game of God of Gamblers. Do you remember? Han Dong Chong Ai, Dan Mang Ai. Oh my God, you don't know that. Hon Chi Hai. I knew this was coming. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, kudos for finding a line that wasn't anything to do with you know milking, but um, I don't remember. But no, no that one I don't uh, didn't remember. Yeah, but you do remember the poem now. Oh, I know. Now that you've yeah. drew my attention to it, I do. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. What have you got next, Jim? Uh, okay, I'm going to try and do an impression of this actor again. This one is probably going to be very easy to figure out, but it's a lot of fun. Look at your reflection in the mirror. You're a creature of the night, Michael. Just like out of a comic book. You're a vampire, Michael. My own brother, a goddamn shit-sucking vampire. Will you wait till Mom finds out, buddy? <laughs> yes. It's just that punchline. It's like, yeah, the 13-year-old kid. Like, you wait till Mom finds out, buddy. <laughs> yeah. You know, I just, yeah. But... I actually adore that film. And, you know, there, there's been lots of talks about remaking it. Then they talk about remaking it as a as a kind of high-profile TV show, haven't they? Um, it's never really materialised. I think just leave it as it is. I mean, I, no, I, I definitely think you should um, leave it as it is. Actually, I do think there were, like, in the last few years of Corey, uh, Corey Haynes' life, there was at least one straight-to-video sequel that Corey Feldman uh, did like that was only very um, tenuously linked to the original film, and uh. I don't know how well you remember it, but there's there's one detail um, at the end of the film that leaves open a sequel because they did plan to do a sequel that they were going to call the Lost Girls. Um, I don't know what the you know if the script was ever written or what it was really going to be about, but um, yeah, from what I read, uh, that was the plan. Obviously, it never came to fruition, and yeah, I'm kind of happy about that because like this is this film is such a a mismatch of different elements that really shouldn't work but it works so brilliantly a sequel only would have ruined it 100 percent um i my last quote or that's my last quote but my next quote comes from probably the greatest villain in cinema history hans gruber uh the quote goes i wanted to be to be professional Efficient, adult, cooperative. Not a lot to ask. Alas, your Mr. Takagi did not see it that way. So, he won't be joining us for the rest of his life. <laughs> the late, great Alan Rickman absolutely stole the show in this movie. He is so good, so entertaining and so villainous at the same time. I, I, mean, I, I think he's, he's, his performance of a career, other than... 
um, the sheriff of Nottingham in in, in Robin Hood because he's absolutely epic in that as well. Yeah, I absolutely agree. He, he he's uh, actually brilliant in. I've only seen him in, I think, that three films, and he's actually really good in all of them because in Love Actually he actually is um, superb in it as well. I don't know if you're familiar with that film. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, remember, I do remember the film, but what what's his story? Is, it, is he the one that falls in love with the Portuguese? Girl? No, or is that Colin Firth? That's Colin Firth. He's married to Emma Thompson, and is sort of um, flirting heavily with uh, a female colleague, and he buys work, yeah, he buys it. her an item of jewellery, and Emma Thompson, who actually is really good in that film as well, sort of spines it, but. Um, and the older I get, I sort of really just appreciate how well acted that that particular you know that story is. But he is really good in Die Hard as well. Um, yeah, I mean the really impressive thing about what he does in in that film, and uh, to a lesser extent in in Robin Hood, is he doesn't have a massive physical presence, and yet he somehow seems like you know the ultimate villain. Like there's, you know, there, yeah, there's something that he's able to convey you know, through his eyes. He's able to convey that you know he will stop at nothing to to achieve his aims, which makes him formidable. Now, granted, obviously, Bruce Willis um, wasn't an action hero going into Die Hard. Like, this was um, his first foray into action movies, so he didn't have the baggage of being the hero of these types of movies. So it wasn't a case of um, thinking that Alan Rickman couldn't stand up to him. So they were physically quite well matched. But I think even if that had been played by you know, a Sylvester Stallone or someone of that stature, I still think you would have believed that Alan Rickman's Hans Gruber could have outwitted them. Yeah, massively. Yeah, massively. I love it. I love him as Hans Gruber. I love the film. So are we going to go around for another set of quotes? Yep. Let's, um, let's do one more round. Yeah, okay. Well, okay. I'm going to go on to uh, Happy Gilmore and Jimmy's, one of Jimmy's favourites. <laughs> and it's yeah, I've got. I've used two lines from here. I could have. I could have. I could have done a hundred. But it's so you've got a happy and his nan's uh, lost her home and he's taking her to the nursing home. So and he's like, oh, this is this is more like a country club than a nursing home. Nice class, <laughs> nice people. I'm telling you, this place is perfect. You're going to make friends in no time. And then this just like woman just appears on his, the front bonnet, looks him right in the eye and says, Get me out of here! Do you remember, do you remember that line? Yeah. It just makes me laugh every time I see it. Like, if, I, if it's just on I just, or Netflix, I just always have to... I just crack up laughing. But I love I love Happy Gilmore. I, I can't lie. And uh, I couldn't talk about it without mentioning Shooter McGovern. So it's the line um, where Shooter says, Oh, uh... You're in big trouble, pal. I eat pieces of shit like you for breakfast. You eat pieces of shit. <laughs> <laughs> and then he actually says, no. <laughs> yeah, which, which makes it even better. But the chemistry between Shooter McGavin and Happy Gilmore was actually was brilliant. Did you actually see the other day they sort of like tweeted tweeted each other? Did you see? Because it was like the, I think it was a 25th year anniversary. So Happy uh. Gilmore basically took... A, 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 a drive, um, like 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 the character Happy Gilmore, and obviously he connected really well. You know, a really good strike with the ball, and then Shooter McGavin from sort of like re- responded with like our oh, happy twenty five year anniversary, and he did like a a putt in like his living room. Nothing, nothing, nothing superb, but 
just nice because I guess we'll put it mm. fresh in fresh in my mind. But yeah, great line. There's there's, there's plenty more. But um, Jimmy, do you want to do you want to run through a couple more before we sign out? No, what I will say just to sum that um, yeah, sum that up is the Adam Sandler has done some films that I have really really liked. Um, think particularly of you know, Uncut Gems, Men, Women, Children, Funny People's, you know, stuff like that. But the broader comedies that he made his name just aren't aren't my bag. I know they're very popular, so you know, I, I get into a, a lot of discussions with you know, friends like David who really like them, but they just, they just never worked for me. What's, what's your next quote then, mate? So my next quote, um, to round off, and I'm going to paraphrase this one and skip the second speaker, and I think Mark is going to know this instantly. David probably will get it by the end. I wouldn't even worry about it. When defeat comes, I won't even notice. I'll be too busy looking good. I can't believe I've not picked any quotes from this film. Oh my god, there's so many great ones. And sorry, my second one, just from the same scene about five seconds later. Bullshit, Mr. Handman. Man, you come right out of a comic book. <laughs> and so, like, yeah, I, I picked this one just because it feels to me like a classic example of like your yeah, line of dialogue that as a kid you think is really cool and then as you get older you realise actually you know it's a little bit lame. I mean this is very clearly a white writer's attempt yeah, to do a black exploitation <laughs> a black exploitation style uh, yeah, line of dialogue. Uh, but yeah, it, it always makes me smile every, literally every single time I think about it. And if I ever sort of meet someone and I say the words you come right out of a comic book. If they get it, I know we're going to be friends. I love it. I love that. It's from Enter the Dragon, David, in case you wanted to know. Yeah, no, I know. I did. Know. Right, right at the beginning, you. there's a bit where this, what you said is so true because they they wanted to make it race orientated so bad. When the cops pull him over and they go, where you going, Jig? And he doesn't say anything. Jig's got a passport and tickets to Hong Kong. He ain't going to Hong Kong. <laughs> it's like I could quote the whole film, but my favourite quote of the whole film is the kind of semi-Cockney Australian guy that goes, "What's your style? What 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 accent is that?" I've never really, I've never really quite got where he's supposed to be from. Am I bothering you? You don't keep that geezer. What what? But I love that bit. It's out of fading without fading. But I mean, from what I know of like Bruce Lee movies in the seventies, it's very, very possible that guy was just plucked on yeah, the maybe. street in Hong <laughs> Kong just to play like a yeah. Like if you look at the sort of very diverse group of people that go into the restaurant in Way of the Dragon, like they're just yeah, there's very clearly just a bunch people of off the Western travellers yeah. that they just pulled it off the street. So but yeah, I mean that 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 that's the line of dialogue that just always makes me smile. My, my last quote is something that I've said many a time when people have called me out for bullshit. So I might be telling a story and someone said that's bollocks, and I would shout at them, "You can't handle the truth." It's uh, Jack Nicholson from a from a few good men. I've used it many a time. It's a brilliant. Do you know what though? It's everyone talks about how great a film. Basically, the whole film just goes on and on forever and ever for an ending that lasts 10 minutes, which is a good ending, but they could have just done that bit and then it would have been done. Can I um, slightly go off subject here? I've, I've got like honourable mentions that we're not going to have time to do, but where you've just said that, I've got to now mention one of my honourable mentions. And I want us to sort of... We can actually use it against each other. So, for example, Escape to Victory 
obviously you've got Sylvester Stallone in goal, the perfect centre-half pairing of Michael Caine and Bobby Moore. And <laughs> you've got the, the, the Allies score a goal. The linesman sort of gives it offside. Um, they're celebrating like mad. I don't know how well you remember this film. And Michael Caine, who's the captain, goes up to the ref to, to argue that it wasn't offside. And he actually says, he points to him and he's gone, that's a bloody lie. <laughs> so, I reckon, so I reckon that there's a way that I can actually say, that's a bloody lie like Michael Caine, and you can respond. <laughs> you can handle uh, the truth. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, Mark, that's a bloody lie. You can handle the truth. There you go. <laughs> it's just weird. When I saw that, I was just thinking, is he going to mention Michael Caine? That's a bloody lie. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so what was your honourable mention? What other films did you want to honourably mention? It, it, well, just did. It was Escape to Victory, just because I love the way Michael Caine says that's a bloody lie. And, and also Jack the Ripper. Just like I say, they're not even great lines. It's just how he says them, and I can't ever say them now normally. So you can't say to someone who's lying, you can't handle the truth, but you will sort of say that. So I would always say, like, I wondered when you were going to show your face. <laughs> you know, like, just, like, Michael Kane, like in, in their film, you bastard, there's more. Uh, but yeah, we'll, uh... I, I don't want anyone to kind of uh, take this the wrong way, but if someone says that someone's nuts, I can't help but say in a kind of semi-Chinese kid's voice, he no nuts, he crazy. And it comes from <laughs> Indiana Jones of the Temple of the Doom. But I just always do it. And I'm like, I wonder if they put yeah. it. A lot of people just say, what are you doing? Oh, there you go. Very good. It's funny you say that, actually, because that reminds me of like my one honourable mention, which is a line that if I ever have cause to say it, I kind of say it in a slightly Scottish accent, which is, He's a mate. So, what can you do? Which is from trade. Which is from trade spotting. We were talking about Begby. So. I'm sure we'll, we'll we definitely will do this again in a few episodes' time because I've actually enjoyed it. So, just to confirm to the listener, we have now released six episodes. So the next episode is just a click away. Our first six episodes have all been released. So you can follow through straight after this one, and we will be going bi-weekly. The show will be bi-weekly. As of the 14th of May. Now if you want to interact with us between now and the 14th of May. Or on all any of the shows that you've listened to so far. Best way to do that is via social media. Uh, let us give you those social media handles. Uh, David what's the Twitter? Yep, the Twitter handle is at blokeswatchmov1. I invite all feedback, banter, criticism of Danny Dyer. Any, any, anything movie related, anything humorous related to movies, get in touch with us. I look forward to it. And if you want to have longer form arguments on Facebook, you'll be able to find us at Blokes Watch Movies. And our Instagram handle is Blokes Watch Movies. That will be all images of ourselves, anything that we're going to be discussing, and David's constantly evolving top 10 movies. So thank you for taking the time for listening. We really appreciate it. Please do get in touch with any positive or negative feedback because we want to make your listening experience as pleasurable as possible. And if we don't like what we're saying, at least we can have a go back at you. Lads, it's been a pleasure as always. Love you guys to bits. Blokes Watch Movies out. Love you too, man. Best of luck, gentlemen. Blokes Watch Movies out. Take care.